0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Ohio University Press podcast. Today we sit down with Dr. Omar Ali, author of *In the Balance of Power: Independent Black Politics and Third Party Movements in the United States*. Dr. Omar Ali, thank you so much for being here with us today.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Um, so first, to get started, could you tell us a little bit about yourself as an academic? What do you study?
1: So I'm I'm a historian. Um, I also look at the um, African diaspora in in world history with a focus on uh, African-American political history, but looking at black forms of resistance and independent movement building across different parts of the global African diaspora. And so this book really delves into that particular area of my work.
0: So in the Balance of Power provides a history of how black Americans have shaped political movements independent of the Democratic and Republican parties. Uh, So I'm curious what are some examples of these independent movements in the book?
1: I think we can take the story back to certain certainly to the abolitionist movement of the uh, early part of the 19th century through the mid-19th century. So African Americans have always had to insert themselves into the balance of power. Uh, The nation excluded black people uh, from the Republic uh, as as proper citizens. Um, And, you know, there has been a long struggle uh, from the founding of the nation's history of creating organizations, um, building movements that could expand democracy and so the abolitionist movement of the of the early 19th century really is the first sort of um, full-fledged movement, if you will, in terms of uh, political that engages the, the political or the electoral system in particular. But Black people had been fighting against slavery by running away, by um, you know, conspiring, uh, by um, having outright rebellion. So I, I place this as part of a, that larger history of, of a, of resistance and independent action taken by Black people. And so the abolitionists came together and created um, organizations that could highlight uh, the atrocities of slavery uh, and, and win over those who may not have known or may not have known the extent of the brutality and violence of slavery and how it wasn't just something that was in the South, but that was part of the North. And And so that movement uh, created uh, one third party called the Liberty Party, and ultimately it would take force of arms to overthrow slavery, but the Liberty Party and its organizers uh, were critical in helping to um, exacerbate sort of the contradictions of American society and really push people to see things um, in a more inclusive way.
0: So your book also describes, more recently, um, elements of Jim Crow that are still deeply embedded in our electoral processes today, uh, which work to maintain power for the two major political parties. So what do these elements entail, and what can we do to change them?
1: It's a great question. So I think one thing to understand is that Jim Crow um, is the legal segregation and disfranchisement of African-Americans. And this is, it's important to emphasize it's the legal, way, right? because with the conclusion of the, of the Civil War and the enactment of the 13th and the 14th and 15th amendments, uh, which abolishes slavery, which essentially extends citizenship to formerly enslaved peoples, and then gives black men the right to vote, uh, that is 21 and over, uh, you have some major advances in terms of democracy in the United States, but there was backlash. And as uh, Stephen Hahn, wonderful historian, um, talks about, there's a the paramilitary politics of the late 19th century. And so uh, my, my second book was actually about the Black Populist Movement, which is one chapter in this book, In the Balance of Power. And it's basically looking at how African-Americans created an independent political movement. And they worked with white populists. And ultimately the way to divide and conquer uh, this movement of black and white farmers and sharecroppers and agricultural workers was to um, invoke sort of uh, racist ideology, which has long been part of America, but it it was done in a particular way to divide poor people against each other. And that's a long tradition in American history. It goes back actually to to the Nat Bacon's rebellion in 1676 so Jim Crow was instituted as a way to separate um, people through segregation, legal segregation, and mixed with the terrorism of lynching, um, it was able to suppress this movement and reassert the power of the Democratic Party, which at that time was explicitly the party of white supremacy. In fact, in its logo, it said that. <laughs> so they were, not, they were not trying to hide that fact. And so the 20th century will see African-Americans continue to try to push for um, and expand uh, democracy, reassert their rights as citizens and voters. And it would take several generations to do that. And the black freedom movement of the early 20th century would see its sort of culmination uh, in the 1960s um, conclusion of the civil rights movement, but then extended through the black power movement thereafter and other efforts to try to Try to, in some ways, move the country beyond Jim Crow. Not just legally, uh, the Civil Rights and Voting Rights Act of 1964 and 65 reasserted and enforced federal mechanisms to ensure that African Americans weren't legally segregated and and um, and disenfranchised. However, we're reckoning right now with the the legacy of Jim Crow and slavery, and we, as a nation, have not gone through a, a sort of a a proper coming together, a therapeutic process, and clearly the movements that have been rising today in terms of Black Lives Lives Matter movement is a response to the failure of um, our electoral system to address the intractable forms of poverty and racism uh, in American society towards Black people in particular.
0: The first edition of your book went on sale in 2008. Even now, in 2020, there aren't many other histories of Black voters specifically and independent or third party movements on the market. Mm-hmm. Um, just out of curiosity, why do you think that is?
1: It's an excellent question. Actually, um, the late uh, professor of political science, Haynes Walton Jr., professor at, um, uh, at University of Michigan, um, had reached out to me um, when he had heard that I had written my dissertation on Black populism at the time, and said that at that time it was, you know, he said in his 25 years or so of teaching, he had never had even a graduate student want to work on the history of African Americans and an independent third-party movements. He had written about uh, some of this um, history in the early 70s. Um, I think it, it speaks to this larger issue of of, um, of a framework that we've come to understand American history. Um, I've been thinking a lot about the Italian um, communist writer, um, Antonio Gramsci and his idea of, of um, a cultural hegemony. And in, in the United States, there's, there's a way in which the two major parties, which we have to always remember were, are private. They're private entities, actually. They're not public, but they, they act as if they're public. But the two major parties, the Democratic Party and the Republican Party have put into law basically mechanisms to keep themselves in power. Uh, so those who make the rules rule, and it's that's why it's virtually impossible for um, independent candidates to get on the ballot unless you have a lot of money. Um, you know, when Dr. Lenora Fulani got on the ballot as the first woman and the first African American in 1988, um, she had to gather over 1.2 million signatures and win 11 state lawsuits uh, against election boards and the like. Uh, and it was an, a monumental feat. And that was 20 years before Barack Obama, President Obama became uh, president. It, but there, there are mechanisms that are put into place so that it's very, very difficult to compete. So Ross Perot with his, you know, $70 million was able to um, get some traction. In fact, he got 20 million voters to come out and vote for him as an independent candidate. But if you weren't a billionaire, <laughs> You have, you have the laws that are uh, set up against you. So when Falani was asked, you know, what was more difficult running for president, being a woman or being African-American, she paused and she said, actually, it was being an independent that was most difficult. Um, so the framing in the country is such that the legal structures are set up to um, make it uh, a, 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 a what is, how would you say it? Um, a duopoly of <laughs> um, uh, the Democratic and Republican parties uh in in the law in terms of ballot access in terms of public funds used for campaigning purposes i mean it's sort of an outrage that you know the sitting president can sit around, can go around whether they're a democrat or republican and use air force one um which is taxpayer funded uh to promote their party's interests right so we don't have nonpartisan government we have a bipartisan system which is um corrupt it's corrupting of the republic. In fact, George Washington, um, you know, he was a slaveholder, and he also had some very important things to say about the republic and uh, helped to win the Revolutionary War. But he said in his farewell address that there are two things that we should be wary of: one is being overly involved in in foreign entanglements, and the other one is to be wary of the party, uh, the, the spirit of the parties that is that parties can corrupt the republic and that's certainly what has happened. So the framework of America, American history has been around parties and ideology and political scientists continue to teach it that way. That, that there's a bias towards looking at things that are not party driven um, and uh, third parties are considered sort of marginal uh, even though the movements that sometimes produce third parties were responsible for all the major changes in American history with regards to the abolition of slavery, the extension of voting and civil rights, um, including women's right to vote, right now in the centennial of 19th amendment. Um, And all kinds of major important uh, progressive changes in American history have come about by the outsiders. And so third parties and independent candidates have played a very important role in shaping American uh, society.
0: So in the context of the history you just shared, what does this revised edition of In the Balance of Power add to the conversation about Black Americans' role in elections and third-party movements now?
1: Uh, there's an afterword written by Jacqueline Saylor, who was actually the deputy uh, campaign manager for Dr. Filani's campaign. And I asked her to write it because she's somebody who's been on the ground um, building national networks of independence for some time. Uh, worked with her in the past. Um, she's a, a wonderful spokesperson an eloquent spokesperson for independence, um, which now comprise about 43% of Americans who self-identify as independent. So she writes um, beautifully about sort of the current state of America and quotes James Baldwin, um, the great um, African-American uh, writer, um, talking about sort of this this his observations about how our society has produced um, victims of all on all sides that you know what kind of a society produces somebody who could put a you know a cattle prod on a woman's breast um, it, it's a sick society and he in some ways is speaking to America's need to um, to develop to grow and to see how we are um, inextricably connected um, and I think that the the major parties have done a disservice by pitting people against each other around ideology around race around class and i think that both major parties um, are no longer vehicles for americans to fully give expression to their desires and so the book highlights the current moment that we're in i wrote a new introduction which brings sort of things into the current moment with COVID 19 disproportionately affecting african americans because of poverty racism which are tied and um, the same country that voted for the first african-american president the first black president president obama is the same country that voted for donald trump who many would argue is very very different in in so many ways so this is a country uh, the american people are people that have to figure out what we're going to do going forward and i think that the Black Lives Matter movement that we're seeing is a response by young people to circumvent the established leadership in this country and say no more. Uh, and it's not just a matter of police brutality, but it's tied to the ways in which African-Americans and poor people, but specifically African-Americans have been uh, victimized by uh, racism, which ultimately is about controlling black labor. I mean, the Police force comes out of slave patrols after, after all. And, um, and I think that it's a moment of reckoning, it's a moment to reflect on larger questions about political process, um, things that independents have been raising, which we talk about in the, in the new edition, but you know, we go deeper in, is, is that we have to really look at how our political process uh, is, is unfolds and that the, the issue of, of process is inextricably tied to outcome. So the, the major parties are not allowing for innovations that are needed in the areas of law enforcement and healthcare and education, et cetera. And there are many people doing really good things on the ground, but because they're not politically connected, they don't get um, their programs out there. They don't get the funding. So um, we have a lot to 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 reckon with in American history, and we need to figure out new ways of of moving forward, and I think independence and nonpartisanship is the way forward. Um, and see how we can f- create new ways of speaking with each other, which means a cultural shift, which is what we're beginning to see right now with millions of white people supporting, you know, Black Lives Matter. That's a that's a very important development in American history that Black people aren't left alone to struggle for their civil and political rights.
0: Thank you, Dr. Ehrlich. That was a very, very thorough answer. Um, I just have one more question for you. And that is, so this is obviously an important book for understanding the context of our current political moment. And one that um, will be very useful in thinking about what we should do as a nation moving forward. Um, but I'm curious how uh, In the Balance of Power might be used in a classroom setting, for instance.
1: hmm Well, I think that it it provides an opportunity to revisit American history in a different way than it's mostly been presented. Um, We've now moved beyond sort of the great men, mostly, you know, making, having made the changes. I mean, Abraham Lincoln was an extraordinary president, but he was also pushed from below um, to do the right things. Um, So there's always the interplay between sort of The if you will, the grassroots and the outsiders and the insiders and the ones who are in positions of power. And I think that this is an important lesson for teachers and for students to engage in that uh, change happens by people coming together and creating the change themselves. That is, they have to self-organize, they have to um, find allies, they have to figure out ways of working with people who may not agree with everything that they agree with but have some shared things in common and I think that the book gives us lessons for whatever issues that you have particular concern with of the, the struggles of African-Americans is in some ways inspiration for all people to to push for what's right and to see changes that will benefit all people. Um, a misunderstanding of Black Lives Matter is that it's just about Black people. It's not, it's about the American people. And I think that, we are right now um, in a position where we have really, really great teaching opportunities as teachers, as educators, as authors to help people see American history and the ways in which we really are connected um, in a host of ways, not just in terms of families, um, but in terms of communities, uh, labor relations, ideas. And this book brings that out in ways that I think might help educators uh, show an important thread in American history and um, ways in which people who came out of slavery struggled against slavery, but also then pushed beyond it to try to create new forms of life that were joyful, that were rewarding, um, and that can be a lesson to all of us.
0: Thank you, Dr. Ali, for your time and for these very thoughtful answers.
1: Sure. My pleasure. Thank you for doing this.
0: My name is Zoe Bassier, and you've been listening to Dr. Omar Ali discuss the new edition of his book, In the Balance of Power, Independent Black Politics and Third-Party Movements in the United States. All Ohio University Press and Swallow Press books are available in print and electronic editions and can be ordered from bookstores and online retailers. Please find us at ohioswallow.com. Thanks for listening.